Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I think for all of us, we have to focus on where we want to be, what we want to do and how we're going to get there and not focus on all the naysayers and the stuff that creates roadblocks in our lives and fear. We just have to push through and understand our value proposition and how we can add value to the world and go after it. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Chris Roberts. Chris, how are you doing today? Great, Theo. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with your guests. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to our conversation. A little bit about Chris. He is a full-time entrepreneur and investor since 2007 and has been investing in real estate for seven years and now owns a property management business. He's also a GP and an LP in over 2,000 units across the country. He is based in the state of Washington and his website is Sterling Rhino capital.com. So Chris, you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Theo. So I started out my life at a pretty young age being on my own and kind of just had to figure things out. So that sort of entrepreneurial bug was planted long ago, worked lots of odd jobs and kind of worked my way into a professional sales career that gave me the opportunity to start investing and diversifying, whether it be in stocks or real estate or even partnering in other businesses And that just kind of caught fire in me. And I really enjoyed that creative process, the challenge of taking businesses and building them or investing in something and watching it grow. And then as I grew in my professional career, I had a lot of conversations about real estate kept coming up, coming up. And at that point, I decided I really need to learn a little bit more about this real estate thing. Bought a few single family homes, duplexes, some land, little construction stuff, and then started taking that leap into the larger multifamily space. And now that's where my primary focus is in the larger multifamily space. I still run a few businesses. The multifamily space is really where my focus is today. You said that you own a property management business. So is that the management business that manages the properties that you own? Or is that something where you manage other people's properties? Currently, I don't have a real estate license. And in the state of Washington, I'm not sure how it is nationwide with regard to running a management company, but you have to have a real estate license to do that here. And one of my partners had a real estate license, but we really didn't want to manage other people's properties. So we really developed it to run our own properties, handful of duplexes, single families, things of that sort. It also gave us great insight into how to manage the managers of the larger multifamily assets later. So the property management company we run is really just for our own personal assets, which we're allowed to do. And we use Buildium software to to run that and it works pretty flawlessly, all digital and everything. So we we really enjoy that. So out of those 2000 units, how many of those are you as a GP? 250. Okay. How many properties is that? Two. Two properties. And then Mm -hmm. what's your role on those deals? What's your specific responsibilities um, as a GP? On the first deal, 104 units, and then I'm the investor relations manager. So when I was brought into the deal, my partner at the time really didn't have a process for investor relations. So I took that by the horns and developed the software implementation, the communication, the email systems, the back and forth, obviously the funds collections and things of that sort. So I basically developed that system and I'm second in line in GP on that deal And then on our latest deal, I'm first in line, majority owner of the whole GP team. And I'm the CEO and founder of Sterling Rhino Capital. And I wear many hats, but primarily my role would be to find the opportunities and then do the 30,000 foot view thing, which is basically putting all the pieces together. I still deal with investors and I manage some of the software, but I have team members that pretty much handle everything else. We have an asset manager and someone who is now kind of dealing with a little more of the investor relations, communication, things of that sort. 
So for your deal, you're more of like the CEO, but for this other deal, you're just strictly the investor relations guy. Yep. So you said that he didn't have really any process for investor relations, more specifically for communication. So can you maybe walk us through what he was doing or if he was doing anything at all to yeah, communicate absolutely. with investors and then what you implemented for your communications process? Sure. I guess it's technically my first deal, but I had a deal before that, but it took so long to negotiate that deal that I actually got another one and closed it in the meantime. And he brought me in because most of his opportunities were JV deals, even though they were larger, two, three, four million, five million dollar deals, they were larger in the space of JV deals. They didn't require any real major syndication or investor relations process. So when he found this, it was a $10 million deal. He just really didn't have a system in place for that. And I brought it up and I said, well, how are we going to manage all these investors? And he said, well, I'm not sure. I figured we would just figure it out as we go. And I listened to a lot of your podcasts and Joe's conversations and seminars and things like that and thought, man, this is a major undertaking with these investors in the syndication process. We need to start implementing systems that can help us automate all this stuff and organize it. So we brought on obviously Appfolio. Well, they're one, a property management system. There's many others, but we brought in Appfolio to manage the investors. And then we brought in Active Campaign to manage communication. And then we use Google Docs and a lot of automations to funnel in soft commit forms and things of that sort. So really it was just a matter of breaking everything down and saying, okay, first things first, what's the most important thing? And it's okay, knowing who wants to put money in our deal. Okay, that's really important. And then, okay, at that point, who's committed? Who's not committed? And then how do we communicate with them when they filled something out? Same thing as it relates to documents, the PPM agreements. We found that that was a very cumbersome process and I'm passively invested in 1700 doors. So I can tell you, I filled out lots of them. We decided, well, we're going to shop every one of these signature companies and figure out which one is the most fluid, which one has the easiest automations, which one is most simplistic to work with for our investors, where we're not going back and forth with phone calls. And I'd say on the second deal we did, we eliminated 60% of the conversations back and forth with just the right signature company for our documents. So things like that, those are processes I'm really good with. I love problem solving and diving into things and just making them better. Whereas sometimes there's little detail work that maybe my partner might be good at, or let's say negotiating a deal, the other partner's good at. And that's why it's really important to identify your strengths and weaknesses and just really focus on those things. So I hope that answered the question. Yeah. So quick follow-up question. So you basically said that You went in there and you said, okay, what are the most important steps? And then what are the most cumbersome steps from the perspective of the passive investors? And then you searched out software technologies that could address that to reduce that cumbersomeness, if that's even a word, to streamline these important things. So maybe let's focus on one thing. Let's focus on the active campaign, which I'm assuming is the ongoing communication. So how does that work? Well, it's a great question. So Active Campaign is a pretty dynamic program. There's a lot of really good syndicators that use it. I'm not sure currently if Dan Hanford and some of these other folks use it, but I know many of them did. What's great about Active Campaign is it's like a MailChimp on steroids, if you will. It allows you to track literally everything. And you can put all these automations in and these triggers that will identify and notify you of different actions that are taken within the system. So for example, someone goes to your website, like if they go to our website and they sign up for our investor calculator where they can figure out how they want to retire and what number they need to retire, they download that. We're notified on what they downloaded, where they went, and then there's automations that are in place to send them things through that process. So if we ask them to fill out a form, we're notified of when that form was filled out. And then it puts them in a funnel. So they're accredited, they're non-accredited, are they interested in a deal, not interested in a deal? 
So it's very, very important to have systems like that because who has the manpower, especially if you're running another business, to manage and micromanage all that stuff. So really the sky is the limit with their automations and systems you can put in play. And what's really great about, let's use Active Campaign for example, I started setting all that up and then I realized, boy, even just setting it up is fairly time consuming. So I hired an assistant through Upwork and I have virtual assistants I've worked with as well, but I had a, an assistant who's actually in San Diego and speaks English and is fluid because sometimes you'll get a language barrier if you hire in some of the Philippines or wherever, although the prices are really good. I wanted someone that was here because dealing with financials and things, I wanted to make sure everything was dialed and organized. So I hired her to help me implement all the automations. And then we also recently brought on a company, if I may, I'd just like to mention their name. Is that okay? Yeah, totally. Okay. Good Egg is a company we brought on recently. And they're really, really good at working with Active Campaign and helping with all those automations. So we hired them to bring in all the automations. And they allowed us to just download those and put them right into our Active Campaign system, which saved us a tremendous amount of time. So combination of hiring the right people to help facilitate maybe some of the weaknesses or the time constraint issues, and then to bring on a virtual assistant who could do some of the data entry work. And then as far as running the financials, as far as like, let's say running bank accounts and confirming things with investors, that's stuff that I take very seriously. And there's obviously security and you don't want their data getting out there. So I personally run all of that information, but by outsourcing and, and building off the strengths and weaknesses of you and your team, you can 10X it for sure. So for the ongoing communications to your investors, each month, each quarter, whatever, you have a VA that does that? Yeah, we use some of the content from Good Egg, and then we set up automations for most of that, but she'll set up all the automations. So I'll tell her, I want to send out four newsletters. I want to post some stuff on Facebook, and then I'll share some personal stuff with her that I've written or I want to put out there, and then she'll post a lot of that stuff for me or set it up on automation. So yeah, absolutely. Using those folks, it's a lifesaver because then we can focus on finding deals and working the banking and all that stuff Mm -hmm. that's more important, in my opinion. So something you mentioned before, I wanted to also talk about briefly. So you're working on a heavy value add deal that the owners, I think you said, haven't tracked financials or anything for 35 years or whatever. So I wanted to hone in on a very specific aspect of that because I get this question a lot. So I'd love to pick your brain on it, so to speak. So I want to raise money for an apartment deal and I find a mom and pop owner. How many units is the property you're looking at? This one's 112. 112, I was close. 112 unit property. And I reach out to them. I say, hey, are you interested in selling? Yes, of course. And so I say, okay, well, can you please send me the T12 and the rent roll so that I can run the numbers? And they're like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Here's a napkin that I have from yeah. 30 years ago. How do I know what offer to submit on that deal? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's basically exactly what I was dealing with. And it's across the country. So it's one of those things where you have to first identify does this thing make any sense, let's say, from the asking price? And you break it down like anything else, right? You put it into a spreadsheet. I happen to use an SDA, which is from Michael Blanc's program. That's fabulous. And I can plug in some quick numbers and identify if the deal makes sense. So you look at the offering price or whatever, because oftentimes they're not going to have an offering either. They're not going to have a fancy PowerPoint. Maybe they're listing it themselves or a broker, but this deal didn't even have a sales deck. All we had was a price. And I came in on this deal with someone else that had offered a little bit lower price than what they were asking for. And they got it under contract. And then I quickly realized there's no way this deal will pencil at this. So how do you get the answer out of them? That's the question. The answer is, first of all, you have to dummy it down for people because as we're talking about this, you can only imagine what it's like to actually build a T12 from scratch, a rent roll from scratch, financials for a lender. We're going through Freddie Mac on this deal. We're actually closing on this deal tomorrow after nine months worth of negotiations, back and forth numbers, four flights out. 
It's been an absolute grind, 350 hours of my own personal time in this deal. And that's all because I had to understand the seller. Bottom line is I had to actually deal with the seller directly at one point because we couldn't make it happen. So finally, the seller, after going back and forth and going out of contract and in contract, started dealing with me directly. And that's how we started solving problems. Because I basically said to him, do you know what a T12 is? No. Do you know what a P&L is? No. I'm like, okay, well, here's what I need you to do. I need you to go down and get a CPA to come down there. I want to buy your building. All I need you to do is get them to come down there for four or five hours and just go through some of your paperwork. And here's the paperwork I want you to provide for them. Okay, great. So he did that. And he got me a generic P&L. Okay, great. What's a T12? I sent him a sample of a T12. And I said, here's a spreadsheet. This is a sample of a T12. All I want you to do is take this information out of the P&L and I want you to update it regularly. And this is your T12. And then I want you to certify it by just signing it and acknowledging it that it's your information and not my information. Because lenders don't want you to provide them a T12 or a rent roll or P&L. They want it to come from the seller. So as long as they input the data, you can assist them and bring them along. And then they just sign it and acknowledge it that, that it's actually their data that's gone in. So that was the first few steps. Does that answer the question? Yeah. So we said, kind of going back to so look at the offering price and see if it makes sense. They're kind of doing some rule of thumb type stuff with that. Yeah. Like- There's probably, I know I'm exaggerating, but there's 100,000 processes in a multifamily deal, especially one that's all manual, right? So you have to problem solve. One of the things I absolutely love is problem solving. I love the challenge. I don't get afraid or fearful or I dive in. And this was an amazing deal I looked at as a great opportunity to learn. So I started thinking if I was the seller, would I be overwhelmed? Yeah. If these people are asking me for all this stuff, there's no way I'm going to sell my building without it. Would I be overwhelmed? And so I had to be a friend to him and I had to say, look, I'm going to go through this with you. And at one point, I'll tell you, Theo, this is really funny. When I flew in and I sat down with him, you would not believe these pictures. I got to share them with you maybe after the episode. It was unbelievable how much paperwork they had stacked up everywhere, files. And I said to him, here's what I need from you. And he goes, well, I'm not going to do your job. And I said, my job? You're trying to sell the building. (laughs) I'm trying to help you. We need to do this thing together. If you don't pull this data out for me and let me help you, there's no way we're going to get to the finish line. So I told him, the first thing we need to do right away is understand that we're working together and we're helping each other to get to the finish line. This isn't about you. This isn't about me. This is about closing the deal. And then he finally put his guard down and then we started getting to work, right? So it's funny, as much as brokers keep you away from sellers, I think sometimes if you can just get to the personality of somebody and understand their way of thinking, see it from their perspective, you can start to problem solve. And you'd be amazed, Theo. The original guy who brought me this deal said, there is no way we can get a dollar under 4899 or 66 or something like that. I ended up getting this deal at 3875. So I negotiated another million dollars off the sale price. It took me eight months, but we got it done. And it was all because I ended up working with the seller. We had a lot of communication, sometimes daily, back and forth. The broker at one point even said, I literally feel like I'm not earning my money. Is there anything I can do? And I said, no, just stay out of the way because the seller is really comfortable with me and we've just got this vibe going. And it was one document after another. And now we're thousands of documents later and we're about to close. Perfect, Chris. All right, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say for the most part, people, they have to get out of their own way. We have a lot of roadblocks. And what I hear from people most of all is all the things that are in their way, what's going on, the challenges. And I think for all of us, we have to focus on where we want to be, what we want to do and how we're going to get there and not focus on all the naysayers and the stuff that creates roadblocks in our lives and fear. We just have to push through and understand our value proposition and how we can add value to the world and go after it. All right, Chris, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, sir. 
All right, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you ready to close more deals and officially seal your financial freedom? The Dwellin Show with Ola Dantis discloses the most innovative real estate investing strategies to kickstart your quest to financial freedom. Go listen at www.dwellyn.com forward slash show. That's dwellyn.com forward slash show. Okay, Chris, what is the best ever book you've recently read? May I give two? Sure. Okay. Chris Anderson, TED Talks, and Ray Dalio, Principles. Now, I read lots of books, but I'm going to tell you why I like those two books. The reason I like those is because those books talk about speech. They talk about stories from some of the most profound individuals in the world and how they told their stories and how you can articulate your stories. And then Ray Dalio's book talks about principles in business and success and strategy and implementation. And it's a really long audio book. But the reason those are important, and I've read hundreds of real estate books is real estate is people. It's not just property. And if you can understand people and psychology and communicate well, you can bring investors in, you can bring partners in and you can close deals. And this manual deal is a perfect example of that. So I really focus on the people. And that's why I really, really like those two books. Recently, I listened to them. If your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? Well, currently, I'm fortunate enough to own and be partners in several businesses and diversify across all kinds of real estate platforms. But I would probably just take a look at where my strengths were and try to focus on something that complements my personal strengths. And that, for me, is communication and sales and dealing with people. So I would probably just dive into some other element of real estate if it collapsed. But again, I'm so diversified, I'm not really concerned about that. Well, since you're so diverse, tell us about one of the best deals that you've done. I have single family duplexes and multifamily. Honestly, I think the deal I'm working on right now that I'm closing is going to be the best deal we've ever done. But I did buy a property once for $50,000 that I had to buy through the Japanese consulate that was worth about $130,000 and today it's worth $280,000. And all I had to do basically was pay the back taxes on the property. So that at the time was probably the best deal currently, but I think we're about to close on the future best deal. What is the best ever way you like to give back? Giving back is very important to me. I stood in food lines when I was a kid. I struggled. I was homeless for a period of time at a very young age. So giving back and feeding people is really important to me. So I partnered with Feeding America. I wrote a book and all of my profits, 100%, have gone to Feeding America and they will indefinitely. And to date, we fed almost 118,000 people with the goal of feeding a million. And every dollar that we donate, Tony Robbins matches through my partnership with Feeding America. It's an enterprise partnership, and I'm actually on their national website and stuff. So that feeding people is really close to my heart, among other things. I've done charities with City of Hope and Wounded Warriors. But, yeah, that's very, very important to me, and we've got a pretty audacious goal. I know not everyone is watching this on YouTube, but I have to ask, what is the purpose of the little frog guy you've got back there? <laughs> you know, it's really funny. I don't know why, but I like little frogs. When I was a little kid, there was little frogs in Southern California in our little creek in the back or whatever. It wasn't a creek. It was like a storm drain or something. But I always played with little frogs, and I would talk about it when I was a kid, and my mom would joke about it as I got older. 
So people will buy me these stuffed animals, and I probably have 30 of them around just wherever. So I thought it'd be really funny to put one of my little frogs up in the office. I figured people would ask, but you're the first person to ask. It's really funny. I just like them. They're cute, and they're a fun <laughs> conversation. <laughs> I was going to ask you if anyone asks, because I know usually when people have their offices, everything is intentionally put there for uh, specific reasons. I saw that little guy right in the back corner. I'm like, I have to ask about that frog at the end. All right, Chris, yeah. what is the best ever place to reach you? You can reach me at sterlingrhinocapital.com or you can email me directly at chris at sterlingrhinocapital.com. We're on Instagram, sterlingrhinocapital1 and many other places like Facebook and LinkedIn and so on and so forth. But you can reach right out to me directly or check us out on the website. Perfect, Chris. Well, thank you for joining us. I'm sure we could talk a lot longer. You dropped the buying a property from the Japanese consulate at the end. I was like, oh, I wish I could ask more, but unfortunately we're running out of time. But thanks for joining us. And just to kind of quickly go over some of the main takeaways for me, it was three. The first is you talked about how you were able to solve the investor relations communication challenge for one of the deals you were a GP on. And really this strategy can be applied to any part of your business. And that's basically identify what the most important tasks or steps are. And then in addition to those, what are the most cumbersome for your customer, your client, the investor, whatever and then investigate various technologies or automations that can address those. So basically make the most important steps, most important tasks, most cumbersome tasks as smooth as possible. And so for you, you gave the example of that folio, active campaign, and then Google Docs to automate the communications for your investor relations process. That's number one. And then also hiring the right people, but hiring VAs as well to help execute on those technologies. The other one was underwriting deals where there aren't any financials, which are 99.99% of the time going to be off-market deals because usually if they're on-market, they're going to have an OM and stuff. So you said to first look at the offering price and use some rule of thumbs to make sure if the deal makes any sense whatsoever. And then try your best to bypass the broker, work directly with the seller. That way you can get to know their personality and let them know that this is a process where you're working together and helping each other out. You give an example of them saying, why would I do all this work? Why am I doing your work for you? It's like, well, no, if you want to sell your deal, I'm going to need this information and you want to sell your deal. So let's help each other out. And basically you had to walk them through what all these things were and group them up with the right person, the CPA to put together the P&L and then sending them a template so you can update it regularly to have a constant T12. We built a rent roll T12 from scratch and ultimately had this pile of thousands of documents back and forth negotiation for nine months and you're finally going to do that deal. So there's no shortcut when you're underwriting deals with no financials, I guess, is the point. And the third thing would be your best ever advice, which is to get out of your own way. Don't focus on the negatives, the obstacles, your fears, and just focus more so on how to push through, how to break through those things. So Chris, again, really enjoyed our conversation. I learned a lot. I'm sure best ever listeners learned a lot as well. Best ever listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Theo. You guys have a great day.